0: again on Thursday night. and ask you to be with us as we examine your word, that you would teach us and challenge us, encourage us, and Lord, that you would just bless us for your service. In Jesus' name we pray. All right. Take your Bibles if you would and let's open to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. And um, if you at one time were a Protestant, I believe the outlines are right there on the thing. If, if Philip didn't pass them all out, yes, if you need an outline, wave your hand there. Uh, if you used to belong to a Protestant church, a Baptist, uh, are not Protestant, never have been. Uh, And one of the reasons why we make that statement is in order to be a Baptist, you have to be baptized, which means repudiating uh, baptism that you had before uh, to become a Protestant. Most Protestant churches, especially during uh, the time of the Reformation, accepted Catholic baptism as baptism. And... and, uh, If you were baptized as a baby in a Catholic church, most Protestant churches will accept that. Whereas a Baptist church says you must be immersed uh, as a believer. And if it's a good Baptist church, they will say that there must be a scriptural authority performing the baptism, which means a complete break with the Catholic church and with the Protestant church. And that's why... We make the simple statement that Bible Baptists are not, nor have they ever been, Protestant. Yet, you'll pick up many church history books and they'll list the Baptist as another Protestant. And that is one of the main differences. The reason I bring up Protestant is because many Protestant churches embrace a theological system called covenant theology. How many of you have ever heard that term? Uh, And uh, what they do is they basically divide the Bible up into two covenants, grace and law. And yet someone says, well, wait a minute, there were uh, almost 3,000 years of history before God gave the law on Mount Sinai. Uh, And that is one of the reasons why we reject covenant theology as a viable system of understanding the Bible. We, in contradiction to covenant theology, are uh, what we would call dispensational. Now, all dispensationalism is, if you take it correctly and use it biblically, it is a method of understanding the Bible. It is a system that allows you to divide rightly the Word of God. Yet I have some books on my shelf that are written and I have a little note on the spine of the book or somewhere there. Hyper dispensationalist. Uh, I was talking with a preacher. He says, Yeah, he says, you're you're different than I am. He says we use, He says, you use dispensationalism to help study the Bible. We use it to develop doctrine. And I said, yeah, that's a big, big difference. You see, we believe that things were different in the Garden of Eden before the fall than after the fall. How many would you agree with me on that? And things were different... Between the fall of man and Noah's flood, after Noah's flood, things were different. God gave man additional revelation. He told him to eat meat, he established human government and and by that we mean he put the responsibility on society as a whole to punish the murderer for committing the crime of murder and uh That is government. If we could just make our politicians understand that government's primary purpose is to punish wrongdoing. But, of course, if you want to know what wrongdoing is today, uh, let me redefine what wrongdoing is. It's saying something against the homosexual community is denying homosexual marriage. That is probably the greatest quote-unquote sin in modern American society, other than preventing a woman from obtaining an abortion. Uh, That is always the number one sin uh, of our society today. And uh, that is one of the reasons why God's judgment is upon this country. Someone says, it's coming, it's coming. No, take a look around you. Take a look at the roster of candidates for president. If you want evidence that God has judged our nation, take the character uh, of our candidates and put them up against the character of people who founded this country. And it is terrifying. Compare Donald Trump to Abraham Lincoln. Compare Hillary Clinton to Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, good night, uh, it is, it is a terrifying thing. God's judgment is here. And what we are trying to do in our understanding of the Bible is simply look at the Word of God, and God gave the law to, uh, to Moses, almost said Noah. God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, And, you know, people are still enamored with the Ten Commandments. They don't want it in the public schools. They don't want it on public display. And you can see the evidence of that in our public schools. You can see the evidence of that in our society as a whole. The Ten Commandments are not the entire law of God. I've met so many people saying, oh, I'm keeping the Ten Commandments. If you meet someone who says they're getting to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments, just simply ask them this question. Could you tell me what they are? Could you give me the Ten Commandments? I promise you that it will be a very rare person indeed who will be able to name more than two or three of them, let alone all ten. And if they do name all ten, then just kindly remember, that, remind them that there are 603 additional laws that make up the law of God—613 commandments in all—and God is not a respecter of persons, nor is He a respecter of commandments. Uh, the judgment of God was on you for for breaking any of the commandments of God, let alone. Breaking the all of them. But the Ten Commandments, and we're here in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And, and let's just start reading in verse 1. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in... Horeb, the Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive this day. The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount, out of the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord, for ye were afraid by reason of the fire, and went not up into the mountain, saying... And then come the Ten Commandments. And let's just read through them. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Commandment 1. Thou shalt have none other gods before me. Commandment 2. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments." How many of you have wondered where Jesus got, if he loved me, keep my commandments? He was actually quoting the book of Deuteronomy when he said that. This is what God said in his Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy maidservant, nor thy manservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee that thy days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, neither shalt thou commit adultery, neither shalt thou steal, neither shalt thou bear false witness against thy neighbor, neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife, neither shalt thou covet thy neighbor's house, his field, or his manservant, or his maidservant, his ox, or his ass, or anything that is thy neighbor's. Those are the Ten Commandments of God. That is the covenant. Uh, a, a way that we might put it in in present day language, the Ten Commandments are the preamble or the opening paragraph to the laws of God. The rest of the book of Deuteronomy, as they've been reviewed in the uh, given in the book of Exodus, reviewed some in the book of Leviticus. God gave His commandments. Many of them. In fact, a majority of the law of God deals with the sacrifice and the rituals, the ordinances of the tabernacle, that was later transferred to the temple. That Solomon built. And the people were supposed to keep all of the laws of God. Now, this covenant is going to be a little different. God made this covenant with a nation. The descendants, the called seed of Abraham was in Israel. And if we understand the Bible correctly... If you believed in God after Mount Horeb, after the giving of the law of God, this is what you did. You became a Jew. If you wanted to follow God, you joined the Jewish people. This is why in the New Testament, as the church came into being, we had many of the Jewish people coming along and saying, Hey, wait a minute, this still holds. If you're going to serve God, you've got to be a Jew. And here's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Is we understand that the laws of God are to teach us. The dietary laws. As a Christian today, we do not keep the dietary laws because God wants us to have a clean heart. And this is what it means by come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. The Sabbath day, we've talked about this on many occasions. Every day is a Sabbath for the Christian because I am to rest. I do not earn my salvation. That's why Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. I rest in the works of Christ. You'll find that you'll be busier resting in the works of Christ than you'll ever be. Trying to work yourself. Because God will give you what you need to serve him. And that's how we keep the Sabbath. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Believe it or not, uh, uh, 150 years ago when photography came into being and they've been able to capture images on a a sheet of paper or uh, cardboard as the first... Thing was, there were preachers that got up in in the pulpit and preached against photography saying that you're making an image. Well, were they making an image? Absolutely. How many of you get out your photo album and worship it? I would hope no one here does. Yet, we have some very foolish people. When you open up the locker at school... There's 1,500 pictures of Justin Bieber on the inside of the locker. There's something wrong with that. When you take images of things that you want and put them places in your house so you'll be reminded of these things that you want. There's actually a quote-unquote Christian company that sells soap. Uh, It used to be called Amway, now I think it's One Star or something like that. And and they would tell you, uh, if you want to be motivated to sell our products, take the images of things that you want and remind yourself that by selling our product, you'll get these things. Now, there's, there's something wrong with that. We're supposed to worship God and worship Him alone. But one of the things that I despise about contemporary Christian music. How many have ever heard of the name Amy Grant? She is the princess, uh, we might say, one of the founding people of what has now been called contemporary Christian music. You know her, who her favorite group? This is her own testimony, an article in Time magazine. I read it while I was a student in Bible college. That was a long time ago. Uh, I think I still have it in my file somewhere. But Amy Grant's favorite music to listen to is the Doobie Brothers. How many of you know what a Doobie is? Anybody old enough to know what a Doobie is? It's a slang term for a marijuana cigarette. And this rock and roll group called themselves the Doobie Brothers... Uh, apparently, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a picture of them, but I would imagine that they practice what they preach, right? Um, and uh, this was her claim, was, I love nothing more than to lay down on a rug in the living room, listen to the Doobie Brothers, and open a can of beer. That's great Christian behavior. You know what? The reason I preach against contemporary Christian music is because the people that do it worship the world. That's the reason. We don't want music. And this is sad. It's not good enough for the world, so they'll do it for Christians and make a million bucks. Oh, I I get these advertisements... Do you want to reach the modern generation? And it's all about some Christian rock concert that they're giving. And uh, one of the groups was called Skillet. And I saw the pictures of Skillet. How many of you remember that commercial? This is your brain... They took an egg and put it into a pan. Then they turned up the heat and cooked it. This is your brain on drugs. Uh, The skillet group, they they looked like that. Yeah, they really did. Uh, Just an aside, I was in a Kmart or a Walmart years and years ago. I walked in and they were advertising this new rock group. You know what its name was? Trash. And I look up and I read that. I go, look there, hon. Truth in advertising. She's going, shh, shh, shh. I said, somebody's finally being honest. But skillet is copying trash. Why do we want that in our life? And we can, you could, I could give you endless examples, but the Ten Commandments tell us you don't get that kind of stupidity by worshiping God and reading your Bible. It doesn't come from there. The Ten Commandments teach us that there is nothing in this world that is going to help us serve God. How many of you have ever heard of James Dobson? One of the quote-unquote leaders of the religious right. In fact, he and Pat Robertson are the reason that Obama was elected to the presidency. Because they told people that follow them to stay home because John McCain did not have a good enough stance on abortion. You know what? They're not doing that this time around. They're both out there going, you may not like Trump, but you better vote for him because the alternative is horrible. Now, that's what they're saying. I'm just quoting them. That is not the endorsement of any candidate. But uh, you, you need to check what these candidates stand for. If you're upset about what Mr. Trump stands for, read what Ms. Clinton stands for. Just read it. top of her agenda is the promotion of sodomite marriage and the LBGT question mark hyphen exclamation point. All the other things that they add to that group. They're always finding new subsplinters to add. Uh, trying to explain how many people, and it still makes up even in their wildest grossest exaggerations, less than 2% of the American population. And yet, every law in our book is subject to their review. There's problems with this. Why is it there? Because we've stopped worshipping the God of the Bible and we started worshipping ourselves. The Ten Commandments plainly teach us the answers are not in yourself. It's a, the. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. I don't know how to say this, other than to, don't let "Oh my God" be your first exclamation. It's not His fault. If you want to pray, pray. I had somebody try to explain it to me one time. Well, you see, it's an abbreviated prayer. And at this time, I'd only been in the ministry 15, 20 years. It's over 30 now. And I still haven't found it. There is no abbreviated prayer acceptable to God in your Bible. If you're going to pray, pray. Pray. Amen? You see, we learn these things in the Ten Commandments. Did the children of Israel break God's covenant? Oh my. Over and over and over again. That's what makes this covenant different than the other covenants. You see, God promised Noah by himself there would never be another flood to destroy the earth. God promised Abraham by himself walking through the divided parts of those animals. Now God comes to the children of Israel and He said, if you are going to be My people, you need to keep My covenant. And by the way, this covenant incorporated... Everything from Noah's covenant and from Abraham's covenant. Circumcision was now ordered by the law on the eighth day. And Jesus brought it up. If a child was born eight days before the Sabbath day, he was to be circumcised on the Sabbath day, quote-unquote, breaking the Sabbath day, so that the law of circumcision could be kept. Our medical doctors tell us that eight days after birth is the most medically advantageous time to perform this. The blood clotting is at its highest. The disease resistance is beginning to kick, uh, kick in. All of these things are at the perfect time to perform this minor surgery. that That's what... Medical science has said. Isn't it interesting that God already knew that? I I like my Bible. Amen. The Sabbath day is the covenant with the children of Israel. The Sabbath day is a day of rest, not a day of worship. Because you're supposed to worship God every day. Of the week. Do not relegate your worship to Sunday. I get a little frustrated uh, when people start talking about the blue laws. And how many are old enough to remember blue laws? In the United States. Everything was closed on Sunday. And I remember the, going into the drugstore as a little boy. And they had a rope across the liquor section. In the state of Maryland, you could not buy alcohol on Sunday, but you could get drugs and alcohol, I mean, uh, medications, not drugs, uh, medication and and uh, over-the-counter supplies that you needed for your health. The store drug stores were allowed to be open, but they weren't allowed to sell liquor on, the, on Sunday. And, and they said, we're keeping the Sabbath. And I've heard Baptist preachers preach about... Sunday is the new Sabbath and no it's not Sunday is the remembrance of Jesus resurrection from the dead it is the eighth day not the seventh it is the day of the new covenant it is the day that we worship Jesus Christ corporately as his church. Amen. It has nothing to do with the Sabbath. The Sabbath, if you want the spiritual application, is our resting from our works because Jesus completed the works. We'll get to that in just a a moment here. But it was sealed with blood. Moses took the covenant uh, the book of the covenant, he read in the audience of the people, the, the reference is there in your outline, Exodus 24-7. And they said, all that the Lord hath said, will we do and be obedient? And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. This wasn't just the Ten Commandments. Moses was reading all of the law of God. And he sprinkled the children of Israel with the blood of the sacrifice, the blood of the uh, um, um, dedication of the priest and the temple and all of this. And yet, Israel broke that covenant, did they not? The first place in the Bible where it's recorded, it's alluded to many times in As God gave them the law, he said, you're going to break my covenant. I'm going to remove you from the land. And I'm going to judge you as a people, but I'm going to bring you back. I'm not going to break my covenant with Abraham. But the first time is in Joshua chapter 7. How many remember what happened with Achan? Achan did not break the Ten Commandments, technically. He broke the orders that Joshua gave from the mouth of the Lord. Someone said, but he stole! Well, the only reason he stole was because all of the treasures that could pass through the fire were dedicated to the temple. He broke the Joshua's ordinance as Joshua instructed him you're not to touch the accursed thing you're not to touch any of the spoil from this city it's all dedicated to the Lord and Achan took those things I've often thought what in the world was Achan going to do with a Babylonian garment I guess wear it for his family in the middle of the night because his family suffered along with him because they knew what he had done and were complicit with him and didn't report him. You see tattletale is an invention of the devil to protect the wrongdoers. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to tell everything that you see everywhere, but you understand what I'm saying. We need to be careful about the difference between right and wrong. Achan's family paid that price because they with him transgressed the law and, trans- and broke the covenant of God. Later, I put some references here. The verses are printed right here. Jeremiah 11.10 They are turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers which refused to hear my words and they went after other gods to serve him. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant which I made with their fathers. And we have the other verses there as well. And God removed them from the land for seventy years. Because they broke the covenant of the Sabbath. God gave the land rest. Then he brought the children of Israel back. And God removed them again. And he brought them back again. Now, let's go to the book of Galatians. And we are going to have to move through this part at breakneck speed. But I would encourage you to read uh, these chapters here. You see, there is a purpose of this covenant, and it is different than the other covenants. That's what makes the covenant of God's law different, is this covenant, and and we're just going to um, skip down to verse 24 so that we can finish on time tonight. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now, let's skip down to chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage you see the 10 commandments serve one purpose they prove for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god you say but what about all the sacrifices and well listen if you understood that you were a sinner in the days of Moses, what did you do? You brought the appropriate sacrifice to the tabernacle. In the days of Solomon, you brought the appropriate sacrifice to the temple. In the days when Jesus walked the face of the earth, you brought the sacrifice to the temple. But if there was no faith, Behind the sacrifice, was there any salvation? And the answer is, of course not. You can do the right things without faith. What did they, what did they used to say about the Mormons? Oh, they're the family church. And I've, I've heard even some Baptists say, well, they, they live the Christian life better than some of the uh, Christians do. How many of you know the divorce rate among Mormons is almost double that of the non-Mormon population? Don't, Don't give me those things. They're all the same lies. Do Christians live the way they ought to? Well, ask yourself. But why are we saved? Because Jesus fulfilled the curse of the law. He died that we might be set free. Can we say amen to that? This covenant of God's law, and this is what we really need to get a hold of. God is the originator. It has been said by many through the years that no... No moral code developed by man even approaches to that which was given by God in the Ten Commandments. I like what one preacher said. said, This was many years ago, and I don't remember his name, but he said there were over two million laws in the federal code of the United States of America. And each one of them tries to keep the Ten Commandments. But we don't get it done. Because passing laws does not make you righteous. Passing laws does not stop sinners, does it? How many of you have ever driven over the speed limit? In spite of seeing those signs that continually say speed limit, 25 miles an hour. I get a little tired of driving 25 miles an hour and have the guy in the bicycle lane on one of those dumb electric bikes go right past. I get a little frustrated with that. But you see, that's what happens when man makes laws. When God makes laws, every one of them teaches us that we need to go to God with our sins. Under the law, it meant bringing a blood sacrifice. Under grace, it means trusting that when Jesus said, it is finished, he finished the work of saving us. The Ten Commandments prove that no person can save themselves. God uses this covenant that he made with Israel to prove the entire world guilty before God, and the only remedy is the grace of God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? No person has ever served God enough to deserve His righteousness. It only comes through faith. And this is what we mean by dispensationalism. Dispensationalism is faith in the revealed words of God. By faith Noah did what? Built an ark. By faith Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees. By faith I believed that Jesus Christ paid the price of all my sins and I ask him To be my Savior. I believe that he died on the cross and that he rose again from the dead. You see, that is how we live, by faith. Amen? And this covenant of the law. Here's what Jesus meant in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, the law says, thou shalt not commit adultery. But he says, but I say unto you what? Thou shalt not lust. Now, that's something every adult in this room has done. It doesn't have to be immoral things to be lust. The tenth commandment is, Thou shalt not covet. How many of you are old old enough to remember the Sears and Roebuck catalog? The Christmas catalog. Oh, man, I used to look through that as a little kid. Oh, I want one of these and one of those and one of these and... Always got more than I deserved, but never what I wanted. Amen? Because if you got everything you wanted, what would you do? Get a new list. That's why it's never satisfying. But if you'll take what God wants you to have, He'll give you satisfaction, He'll give you peace, He'll give you confidence. He'll give you security. He'll give you forgiveness. All of those things come through the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? And this covenant of the law is simply God's plan. Read through the outline of Galatians 3, 4, and 5 that's in your notes. If you want to follow this thing out, just read it out. Because every part of these three chapters establishes the fact that I cannot have a relationship with God by what I do. I get my relationship through faith. The purpose of the law and the reason it was in effect from the day of Moses brought it down from Mount Sinai till the day Jesus resurrected from the tomb was to give us a thorough and complete understanding without any questions that God's standard of righteousness cannot be obtained by any living human being. I've often had, over the years, people come up and say, Pastor, if I believed what you really preach up there, I'd be the most depressed person in the world. Well, wait a minute. What, what is your problem? Why can't you be honest about your sin and honest about God's love at the same time? Something is only as valuable as what you can get for it. Isn't it true? That, that's not a, a law of the Bible, but that's just an understood law of mankind, of society. Something is only as valuable as what you can get for it. Sometime I'll preach a sermon on that. In a time of famine, things that are worthless all of a sudden become very valuable, don't they? Read in the the Bible some of the horrible things that happened during famines. People were actually trading in pigeon excrement. I mean, we just got rid of over a ton and we had to pay to get it taken away. Amen? They were selling it because there was nothing to eat. I'll tell you, the world puts valuations on horrible things. Don't be afraid to understand that your sin is sin. But understand this one thing. God loved you enough to send his son to pay the price for your sins so that your sin would not take you to hell. People say, how can you be so dogmatic? It's real easy. If Jesus did all of that for me, I want him to do all that for you. I want you To live in the confidence of the love of Jesus Christ. That's what the law teaches us. God never once transgressed His law. He doesn't sweep our sins under the carpet. That is the thing that I despise most about covenant theology. Is God becomes a God who is no longer accounting for sin. But let me tell you something. The God of the Bible has every one of them written down in his books. And when we accept Jesus' payment, his accountant goes through and writes, Paid in full with the blood of Jesus beside every entry. I love the way Pastor Thompson used to say it. He knows everything about me, but he still loves me. That's what the law is supposed to teach us. But people take the law and they say, oh, all the law does is tell me what I can and cannot do. No. You, you miss it. What the law tells me is I failed. And if I'll come to Jesus, He'll save me from the law so that I can serve Him. All of a sudden... I'm not worried about committing murder anymore. I should be worried about hating and holding grudges. That's what I should be concerned about with God. I'm not concerned about committing adultery. I'm concerned about lust. I'm not concerned about keeping the Sabbath. I'm concerned about working for Jesus under His authority and under His power instead of mine. I'm not worried that there are no other gods before me because I worship Jesus Christ. I'm not going to abbreviate my prayers because I don't want to take the name of the Lord God in vain. All of the commandments, all of a sudden... Are non topical because if I love Jesus, that goes back to sunday sermon that 's the least that I could do, and all god 's people said let 's pray, dear heavenly Father, we come before you, we thank you for the covenant of your law and what it teaches us, Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand and to live in your love and in the satisfaction and in the grace of knowing that you never once bent one of the rules. You took every ounce of punishment for us that we could be free to serve you. Lord, we ask that you would help us to stand fast in this liberty and to use the life force that you have given us to be obedient to your words and to live in your grace. Each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just have the piano play. And if you need to come and pray, the altar's open. We won't be.